right, guys, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take it back to the old school type of podcasting I used to do when it was just me, where I'm just trying to find a comfortable spot to do the podcast, you know, because, you know, I've been getting kind of tired of doing it the same old way over and over again. So I thought, okay, let's switch things up. This should be fun, hopefully. And I'm kind of doing this like hybrid of a lot of things, not only of the old way I used to do the podcast, but introducing a new element to it, which is I want to start the podcast episode by doing a reaction because I figured why not combine the thing that I love doing and the thing that the people who are subscribed to this channel love watching, which is obviously reactions. That's been the thing that's gotten me the views and subscribers that I've gotten so far. So I felt like, okay, just for this episode, since this is a solo episode, let's try it out. Let me just do a reaction to start the podcast. And then, you know, I'll move on to a couple other topics I want to talk about later. Um, so that's how the podcast is going to go. So, and also I just want it to be kind of comfortable. You know what I mean? Because I noticed like, because of the brand new sure microphones that I have, they are so good, but they're also like stuck literally, like literally like screwed in into the floor those like mic arms so you know i can do much with them i have to kind of move around them but now i have this handheld microphone that which this is the classic microphone i've had this one for a while um i'm kind of getting used to just holding it i, I remember how kind of uncomfortable it was but also kind of cool in the same way because i'm like holding it and i can move you know what i mean i don't feel stuck in one place all right, that's enough talking. The reaction I'm going to do to start this podcast episode, I'm going to be reacting to this latest Harry Styles song, as it was. The first single for his upcoming album, Harry's House. The cover already is fire. I love the upside down shit. Um, so I don't know what the fuck this song is going to sound like. Harry Styles, typically, he, he just makes great music. You know what I mean? I can't believe it's been three years since he dropped the last album, because that one still has bops. You know what I mean? Like Watermelon Sugar, one of probably one of the most universal songs that's been released in a while. Like you play that for anybody, black, white, eight, it doesn't matter. They're going to love it because this is a well-made song. It was a very well-made album. The album itself wasn't that great, like fully, but it had some incredible songs throughout. So, you know, I'm going to take a sip of my coffee. Just relax, right? This is going to be a chill podcast episode. And we're just going to check out this first song of Harry Styles' latest single, As It Was. Come on, Harry. We want to say goodnight to you. Okay. Okay. All right. Already. It just feels gleeful. I don't know if it's because I'm chill drinking my coffee staring at a sunny day but this song already is putting me in a great mood i love that baby i don't know i'm gonna have to look up who that baby was at the beginning i'm sure harry stands already figured that out but yeah it sounds fun it sounds you know gleeful happy which is exactly what i want because i'm recording this in the morning hence the coffee to you know get my spirit up and i have to record a podcast right after i do this one so this is going to be kind of a long day podcasting wise so Hopefully this lifts my spirits, gives me energy, it helps me keep going.
sounds beautiful. It's just us. You know, it's not the same as it was. Oh, okay, there we go. Roll credits. You know what I mean? He mentioned, he said it. He said the thing. So, here's the thing. That sounds fun. I like the way he's singing. It sounds very low-key, kind of different from his typical, like, sound. Like, I don't remember him singing like that in past songs. Like, he typically sings louder. This is definitely very much lower, but listen. There's the thing about pop music. Pop music has this weird connotation. You know what I mean? That, you know, it's, oh, it's popular. It's pop. Who cares about popular music? Only losers and, you know, brain-dead people like pop music. You know, I like some real shit, either hip-hop or indie rock or fucking punk, all that shit. But, I mean, my thing is, and what I've realized with a lot of music is that if, or specifically with pop, is that pop music, like good pop music, at the end of the day, is just meant to make you feel good. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's definitely mainstream, but it, it's meant to make you feel good. And right now, I'm definitely feeling good, so I'm enjoying the song a lot. I love the vibe of it. It definitely has, I don't know, it's an interesting sound because it obviously sounds poppy and it sounds like it definitely comes from, you know, uh, Harry Styles. Like, it sounds like a perfect continuation from the last album, but it sounds breezier. It, it sounds, slight, you know, like lighter. And the reason I say breezy is because I'm reading the description um, of, you know, this song on Apple Music, so I don't want to plagiarize. How is Apple Music describing it? They're saying, on as it was, a brisk, daydreamy ballad co-written with... See, I don't know these people. Okay. But yes, I think brisk and daydreamy, I like that. And, you know, I like that kind of pop. Like, that daydreamy kind of pop. But also, like, give me some fucking energy. Because I've heard some, like... Like, I tried to listen to that, like, Beach House album. I think it was what it's called. I don't fucking know. It's that new... It was like a pop band... That has this album that is very lauded. And it's like split onto like four or five sections. I don't know. It, the people say it's like a pop masterpiece. I listened to it. I enjoyed it. But the songs didn't really stand out on their own. But this is definitely standing out on its own. Alright, let, let me get back to the fucking song. So, I've been talking for way too long. I'm way too comfortable. This is the opposite of how I was yesterday. Where I wasn't comfortable at all. In this world, it's just a This makes me so excited for summer. And you know, every year I'm always excited for summer and I don't do shit. <laughs> every single fucking year I'm excited. Yes, this summer's gonna be mine. I'm gonna do all this shit and then year after year it's just I go I do something crazy like go near the lake and just sit and then just be depressed. <laughs> uh, that's what summer's good for for me, but this def this song definitely gets me high for summer and it kind of gave me chills just like Whenever I listen to certain music, there's certain songs that I'm like, oh, this is like the perfect summer song. And that's how it sounds to me. And I know Harry Styles is thinking that when making this. He's like, I want to have a fucking hit song. I want this shit to be playing all summer. Similar to Watermelon Sugar High, which actually, you know, even though he dropped it at the end of 2019, like 2020 summer, that shit was ringing. You know what I mean? You can hear it all over the malls. All right, let's keep listening. <laughs> 
Okay, here's the other thing I just thought of while sipping my coffee. This is like, this is what, okay, this is going to sound crazy, but this is what all white music should sound like, right? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> okay, I'm not going to elaborate because I can get pretty controversial with my takes. I'll, maybe I'll save it for the podcast later on because a lot of people are probably watching this part just to see me or hear me react to this Harry Styles song, but just keep that in mind. This is like... To me, this is like pitch perfect white music. Uh, let's keep going. It's just us. You know, it's not the same as it was in this world. It's just us. You know, it's not the same as it was. As it was. As it was. You know, Love that. It's oh my god, it's those fucking synths. I'm just gonna let it go because this sounds beautiful. Lovely. That was such a lovely song. I love that. That actually is definitely going to help with my day. Now I'm really excited to get the day started and this podcast started. So let's just get straight into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Empty Opinions Podcast. My name is Alari Polanco. Of course, I'm your host. This is episode 168, and it is a solo episode. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I know that's how you guys feel, right? Of course. Of course you want to hear a solo episode. You know what it is. I'm going ex- you know, to use the excuse of, you know, this is just the fourth episode. At the beginning of every month or every four episodes, I do a solo episode. Those are the rules. That's why I'm doing this. When in real, you know, it act- in actuality, it's because I wasn't able to get a guest in time because I was procrastinating. Also, this week has been pretty busy for me. But yeah, that's why this is a solo episode, but you know, nothing wrong with a solo episode every once in a while, just to connect with you guys. These don't typically get the views that I would like, because you guys don't give a fuck, but hopefully because of the fucking reaction at the beginning, that attracts some views, hopefully. That's my hope, at least. Um, Yeah, so this episode is solo, uh, and before I get to, there's really only two, I didn't even write topics down, because I want to talk about two things that are going to help me talk for a while. You know what I mean? And that's why I'm glad I have this fucking handheld and I'm just chilling, different set, looking at the beautiful sun outside, you know, drinking my coffee. Actually, speaking of coffee, let me take a sip. Yes, I love coffee. I'm addicted. I am a fiend for coffee. Really sugar is not actually coffee because 
you know, there's so much sugar in that shit and fucking creamer. That's just like a juice at this point. <laughs> it's not even golfy. It's juice at this point. But before I get into my two main topics for this episode, that's right. It's only going to be two main topics. But like I said, it's going to make me talk for a while. And, you know, I'm going to talk so for so long that hopefully I get enough clips to put out for the podcast. You know, the social medias accounts. That's my hope, at least. So. All right. Um, yeah, I just want to say emptyopinions.com. There you can see everything happening in the Empty Opinions universe. I recently started a new podcast, a book club, where, you know, I put these glasses on that suddenly make me want to read books. Uh, the last episode just went up last Thursday. Uh, we talked about Verity's. Well, we talked about Colleen Hoover's latest book, Verity, which is a wild read. I recommend it, but damn, I spoiled my fucking verdict whatever just go read it you know and join the book club if you want to you know be part of a book club see the books that we're reading next and just send us feedback either on our email eladio at emptyopinions.com or just at my empty opinions on instagram or any social media you just send me a dm and that will count as feedback the next book we're reading is john green's turtles all the way down which is kind of like it's five years old now but you know John Green is a very reliable author. So, yeah, that's going on. Obviously, the empty playlist, a new playlist thing that I'm doing where, you know, I put all my music that I enjoy and putting it in a playlist and hopefully making people see that have great music taste. That's really the point of it. That's really the only reason I'm doing that. I hope you guys know that. It's to show have immaculate music taste. You can see that in the website. You know, obviously, empty reactions, the way I started this podcast, other podcast episodes, the blog, I haven't made a new blog post in a while. I did like an introductory blog post. I haven't gone back, going back to it. I just have to really sit down and just write some shit because I be having so many ideas for blog posts, like either movie reviews or all that shit. So, you know, just go over there. And if you would like to just keep up with everything, go sign up for the newsletters right there to just put your email, sign up. And you will get emails, maybe, someday. I don't know when. Hopefully someday you do. But that's all the housekeeping that I have. Now let's talk about... I don't even really... I, I want to talk about it because I have a lot of thoughts. And I think this is actually a way deeper topic than most people realize. And obviously that's why it's been talked about for so long, right? Like, people are still talking about it. And people are tired of it, which... It's kind of why I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Am I really going to dedicate like fucking 30 minutes to this? But it's a lot to break down, man. And I'm not even going to explain what happened. Obviously, everybody knows Will Smith got up and slapped the fuck out of Chris Rock. And okay, the first thing that I want to touch on, there's so many different things I want to touch on. Let's just start with the way comedians have reacted to this. And I think the way comedians have reacted to this is, you know, understandable because comedians are so fucking like, you know, they're very passionate about what they do. It's their life. So they see somebody getting slapped for telling a joke. Not in, not just that, but like their idol, Chris Rock. And they're like, fuck. You know what I mean? We have to defend comedy. Because they think it's defending comedy. But, in you know, they're... And I, what I find ironic is that, that a lot of these people... A lot of comedians always talk about context. Like, context is important within a joke. You can take a joke out of context. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. And that's all true. But 
they care about context in that point, but not context when it comes to the slap. Because if they actually went in and tried to research what might have caused this slap, they would know that it's not because of a fucking joke. You know? Like, that's not the reason. It wasn't just simply Chris Rock told a joke that Will Smith didn't like. It's so much more to that. And that's what I kind of want to do. It's like give all the context that I know so that people truly understand what went down that day. For one, it seems like there's a lot of history between Will Smith, Chris Rock, and Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, It's funny because YouTube actually recommended me a video of a press junket that Chris Rock did with Jada. Like, I don't know, back in 2009, I don't know, a long ass time ago. So they were, they were like talking together and I'm like, the YouTube algorithm is fucking wild. How the fuck do they know that that video exists and then they want to push it to people? I mean, they probably know because people are looking up Will Smith, Jada, uh, you know, Chris Rock. So they know that those, but the fact that they found that video of Chris Rock and Jada Biggins Smith talking to each other is very funny, but it actually reveals something that adds to the context and is that they're familiar with each other. You know, they have some sort of history, Jada Pinkett Smith, Chris Rock, and Will Smith. And, you know, that's evidence by that clip, by that video of them, the press junket. So they know of each other from working on Madagascar, which I don't even think most people know unless you got that video recommended to you. I'm sorry, I'm just going to take certain, like, pauses to drink my coffee because, you know, this is just a chill episode, guys. I'm just talking, just shooting this shit. So, already there's some history between at least these two. And then, obviously, this is something that's been brought up. But in 2016, a lot of black people boycotted the Oscars because of the Oscars So White controversy. And that year, Chris Rock hosted and he did the monologue. And, you know, I thought it was pretty funny, but, you know, he's a comedian and he's roasting people. He's being very, like, you know, extreme. But the thing that I find crazy about that is that in that monologue, he actually set his sights on Jada Pinkett Smith. He was like, you know, I heard Jada Pinkett Smith is, like, boycotting. He's like, but that he, that doesn't make sense because, actually, I want to pull it pull up the clip since I have my laptop right here. But... What happened this year? What happened? People went mad, you know? Spike got mad, and Sharpton got mad, and Jada went mad, and Will went mad, everybody went mad, you know? It's quite like Jada got mad. Jada says she's not coming, protesting. I'm like, is she on a TV show? Jada's gonna boycott the Oscars. Jada boycotting the Oscars is like me boycotting Rihanna's panties. <laughs> I wasn't invited. And there we go. So already, if you pay attention to context, you already know that they've had history. They work together. And then a couple years later, he makes this joke. Right? And so that's part of the context. And then obviously he slaps Chris Rock. And apparently there's a clip going around. I don't know. And honestly, you know, I'm not a fucking news channel i don't give a fuck i don't have sources i'm just saying what i think i heard or so um i don't know if it's accurate or not but apparently after the slap somebody recorded a video or caught will smith on camera saying like 
you know, I told him about it. I spoke to him already. I spoke to him already, which would indicate that maybe Will Smith, Will Smith confronted Chris Rock about this 2016 joke. And, you know, if he was already warned and Chris Rock, like, made another joke about uh, Will Smith, uh, about Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, then there you go. It's not the joke. It's that it's him making fun of his wife again, presumably after he's already warned him. So that's one piece of context that a lot of these comedians are ignoring. But also, another thing that these comedians are ignoring is that Will Smith, as a man, has on the brink of, you know, breaking, of having a meltdown for a while. You know? Because for two years, I tweeted this. For two years, ever since the August Alcina drama came out, and it was revealed that Jada Pickett-Smith you know, cheated on Will with August and August was staying in the house and this and that. A lot of drama. Everybody knows that entanglement shit, all that shit. So obviously everybody was like, oh, Will Smith is a fucking cuck, right? <laughs> Say that as well. But that's how people felt. To this day, people are making that joke. And obviously from there came the infamous Will Smith sad meme, right? So as we can see, Will Smith has been feeling like a cuck or like somebody who, you know, isn't defending his wife or, you know, is being made fun of for staying with his wife for a while. But he's a movie star, so he should be able to control himself. But it just so happened that he just, at the biggest night of his life, all those feelings, it was basically like the breaking point of those last two years happened at that stage with that slap. And, you know, again, you, it, it's so obvious to me, like, obviously you shouldn't slap anybody. That's obvious. Nobody should hit anybody. But I also do feel like when people say violence is never the answer, is that true? Why do they teach us that? Well, like, has anybody stopped to think about, is that really true? Like violence is never really the answer. Why not? And who started saying that? Cause, cause violence was an answer for many years when we were, you know, when we were early in our <laughs> development as humans to this day, I mean, you know, crime rate is going up everywhere. So violence seems to be the answer, but they're telling us not for it to be the answer. Why? I feel like that that's just some bullshit that white people came up with because they didn't want people to be violent towards them. <laughs> I'm just coming up with this theory in the spot right now. White people invented the play. White people invented the phrase violence is never the answer because they knew for all the fucked up shit they've done for years that violence was going to come their way. And if they're able to infiltrate that saying into the people's minds, then hopefully <laughs> they wouldn't get what's coming to them. I think that's a white made phrase. And you can see it now with so many fucking white people being like, violence is never the answer. Violence is never the answer. And, you know, war, I agree. You know, if war is violence, yeah, that's that's true. There shouldn't, there shouldn't be war. Why not? It isn't people dying. You know, what's happening in the Ukraine? Senseless. But a slap? Like, why is a slap not an answer? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like a slap is fine. I feel like a fight between two people... You know, it's fine. 
So when you look at it like kind of granularly, like the fact that a slap is what like white people are acting like the slap was like he, <laughs> Chris Will Smith like killed Chris Rock on that stage. Like it was JFK. <laughs> they they treating they they're they're treating Chris Rock like it was JFK, man. It's wild. But I know why they're doing that. So I'm gonna move on from the Chris Rock the comedian shit. That's what comedians are mad. They think it's about a joke, but they're, ironically enough, they're ignoring all the context that it's not about the joke. Clearly not. Um, but actually, before I move on, I also want to make this point that deep down, I'm sure comedians are scared as fuck that they're realizing that their jokes can't have consequences. And, you know, comedians want to live in this, you know, wonderful world where they can say whatever the fuck they want under the guise of comedy. And because it is comedy, you shouldn't be able to do anything to them. Right? But this is not how the world works. There's an action and there's a reaction. And every time you make an action, you should understand that there's going to be a reaction to it. Right? They, they want to make it like, no, you should not attack the comedian for making a joke. And again, violence is never the answer. Yeah, probably not. You shouldn't attack the comedian when they're making a joke. But... You shouldn't operate in this world thinking you won't slap me when I make a joke. You will not. You won't. Right? That's how they're operating. That's what they've been taught. That's what it's expected. But I feel like now with this slap, I think they're realizing like, oh shit. Um, maybe if I make a joke, somebody might take offense to it and... It could have real life consequences like fucking anything does. You can just say anything at any time and nothing's going to come from it. Comedians think when they're on a stage that they're in a bubble and they're protect they're protected. And the reality is you're not. And so now, honestly, I think this is the best thing to happen for comedy because it's going to bring stakes to comedy. You know what I mean? Like now these comedians really got to think, am I willing to get slapped over this joke? You know, if they, if they, if the joke is that fucking good that they like, they weigh out the options and they're like, shit, I think I, I would get slapped over this joke. Then that means the joke is going to be amazing. You're not going to tell a joke you don't really believe in. If you think you're going to get slapped over it, you know what I mean? It, it adds stakes, elevates the material. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, for what it's worth, every single comedian in the world is going to make fun of you know, Will Smith and Jada Pickensmith forever because they just have that weird brother brotherhood where they stick together in the whole community. It is actually, you know how people always talk about how like for us to be united, there needs to be like an alien invasion to come and now all humans are united. This slap was that for the comedian, for the comedy community, which a lot of comedians have talked about that it's not united. Like it feels very broken up. Like now with this slap, every comedian is like, we ought to stay together. Like comedians that hate each other, they're like, no, we must defend our right to tell jokes. You could have hit us. We're all going to make fun of you. You know, comedians united. You know what I mean? What the fuck is the Ape says? Apes unite. Comedians unite. That's how they feel now. And so, you know, in that they're just going to make fun of Will and Jada for the rest of life, probably. And they should, and they're allowed to, you know what I mean? Like granted <laughs> like maybe i don't know if deep in the back of their heads they're like maybe will smith will slap me over this but maybe they'll just sue you know because a lot of comedians are spineless 
You know, do that shit your own. Fight them. Why would you call the cops? You fucking, you losers. Some snitching. You know, I know there's a lot of comedians that would like call the cops on Will Smith if he did that. Because they're fucking pussies. You know what I mean? (laughs) But also, I don't think Will Smith is going to attack any comedian making jokes about him or Jada because, again, it's not about the joke. It was about the person telling the joke, being a repeated offender. And also there being that relationship between them, possibly being a warning before that happened. So, you know, that's what they don't miss. But all right, let's move on from the comedian aspect of it. Let's move on to the white aspect of it. Oh, yes. My favorite topic. Talking about white people. <laughs> I love talking about white people, man. It's It, it fills me with joy. The reason this was such a big deal is because it broke a white bubble. Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at the Oscar stage broke a bubble. Broke probably the last existing bubble that white people had. The Oscars are probably the last white, like truly white space where like white people felt comfortable. You know, the Oscars are white as fuck. They've always been, you know. It's a bunch of white, and you know, they've started obviously ever since the 2016 Oscar So White incident. There have been more people of color joining and winning and participating. But still, it always felt like such a professional, white, like prestigious, aka white. Like the shit they call prestigious is just coded word for white. Let's just call it what it is. But prestigious ceremony, the Oscars, and. You know, Will Smith doing that showed that they're not safe, not even at the Oscars. And I love that. You know how fucking fire that is that now white people don't feel comfortable, not even at the fucking Oscars, because I'll be honest, I'll tell you guys, I'll reveal something about myself. I don't know how crazy this is going to make me sound, but I'll tell you guys. So I've always had this fantasy because deep down, I always feel like white people are too comfortable, you know? Maybe it's a resentful thing because of things I've gone through in my life. And I know things black people go through in their lives. You know, it's a lot of hardship out there. But to me, it always feels like white people are just always fine. They're very comfortable. They may have their issues, but it's like Johnny crashed a car. You know, Sydney didn't come home at 12 last night. He came home at 12, 15. Shit like that. Dad didn't want to make sourdough bread and now we're all mad at him. That kind of shit is what they deal with. Maybe they deal with bigger shit, but they don't. And if you think I'm generalizing, just think about the activities they like to do. They like to fucking parachute. They like to fucking go hiking. They like to ski. They like to do all the most dangerous shit in the world. You know why? Because they feel too comfortable and they want to feel danger in their lives. That's why they do all those extreme things. (laughs) <laughs> that's crazy I connected that because I've, I've had that theory for a while that's why white people do a lot of crazy shit because they feel too comfortable and so when I think about them I think about that like y'all too comfortable I don't like it this world isn't comfortable we go through real shit I don't think they really do they have their issues and you can't say someone's issue isn't justified blah 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 but you know what the fuck I'm saying they have white privilege Ooh, you can't say that word can't say that phrase they get mad 
But because of that, one of my fantasies that I've had for a long time, I like to imagine myself like going to the whitest suburb I could find, the calmest, quietest, white suburb I could find, and just drive through it very slowly, windows down, just playing the fucking craziest rap music you could ever play at like the loudest volume possible in my car. <laughs> like just playing fucking Benny the Butcher, just rolling, you know what I mean? Just like letting these white people that are sheltered, what the fuck is going on? And what better way to deal with fucking, you know, tenants walk four or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like some real hardcore hip hop. Like, shit that would make them uncomfortable. I like doing it. I've always had that fantasy, and I want to really do it. But this Will Smith situation at the Oscars, it's like that idea times, like, infinity. You know what I mean? Like, that's why they're all going fucking nuts over this. It's because they feel like, oh, fuck. Here, too? You know, in their words, or what they're thinking, because I know what the fuck they're thinking. They're like... This black people, these black people are going to bring all this chaos now into the Oscars. I thought this was our sacred space, you know, for fucking movies and celebrating pedophiles and shit. I can't believe now we're allowing them to sit at the front where they can just slap somebody. Now we need to get security. I don't want to be in a place with their security. That's what they're all thinking. And I love that, man. I love that because why should white people feel comfortable? Why should they? You know? I think equality, you know, people like to talk about equality. I think equality is going to come from white people feeling truly uncomfortable. That's where anything changes or gets better or, you know, is revolutionized. Like, that's where you have personal growth is when you're uncomfortable. So, you know, I think this is ultimately good for white people that slap. Like, now they feel uncomfortable and hopefully they realize... We don't have our white spaces anymore. I wonder what their white spaces are now. 4chan, for sure. Reddit. I'll be on there, and I can tell that's the that's their white space, but slowly more, you know, minorities, people of color, black people are joining it, and they're starting to get uncomfortable with that as well. Women. So, yeah, I just, I'm all for all these safe white spaces to get disrupted, and now them feeling uncomfortable. I'm all for that, honestly. I think that's great. I think that should keep happening. And so I think that's why, you know, that slap is like way more important than we realize. That slap, like that's really, it, 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 it disrupted a lot of things. Probably as much as COVID, obviously a joke, obviously exaggerating, but in a way, I, you know, I kind of mean that. <laughs> like, I don't know, it, like this is going to cause a lot of change. And speaking of change in movies and just like disrupting these white spaces, but more specifically with movies, I want to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, I saw that's the new movie from the Daniels or just Daniels. Um, if you know, they did Swiss Army Man, which was a crazy ass movie. It's about the farting corpse played by Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter. As a farting corpse. Crazy ass synopsis. Great movie. And. You know I saw it. I saw it last Wednesday. 
at a one-time-only IMAX screening before it goes wide the 8th. And, you know, it's not going to be solely like a review of the movie because I want to expand and there's a much bigger topic to be talked about here, but... I'll just give a, a quick review of it. I mean, it's fucking incredible. It's a masterpiece, I think. Honestly, I do think it's a masterpiece. And, you know, I, I don't like it. Let me switch the microphone back to my left hand. I tried to do it to, with the right hand just to see. But, you know, I need this one to, like, move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking karate chopping shit. I think everything, everywhere, all at once is actually going to change movies. And it represents... A changing of the guards for movies in general. Because I think the biggest takeaway I have... I mean, look. This movie, I think, is a masterpiece like off of first watch. I could tell you it was a masterpiece. If you want to get even technical. Just how hard it must have been to work on this movie. They've been working on this movie for six years. And you can tell. You can see it and you can tell. It's one of those movies that you don't even want to think about how they did it. That happens especially like for me. When you watch a lot of movies and you're starting to get into movie making and all that shit and maybe want to get into the, you know, into the the industry, you start to learn about a lot of technical stuff like there's multiple takes for movies and that's how they get different angles. I just recently learned that. Shit like that you start to learn and that kind of takes the loss off of movies kind of because you're like, oh, they're doing this. And you can see like the magic behind the curtain. You can't do that with this movie because this movie is so fucking complex and crazy and there's so much going on. It honestly feels way more than I thought, like the most realistic way you can make a multiverse movie, which if you don't know, yes, it's about the multiverse. And it starts Michelle Yeoh. That's this lady that can like the ultimate Michelle Yeoh. I forget what her name is in the movie. But yeah, it's just, you know, on a purely technical level, it's definitely, like, incredible. Like, I can't believe this movie was really, it's, it's real. You know, you watch and you're like, this is like, you're in awe. I think this is why I want to start showing this movie to a lot of people. I want to start taking a lot of people out to see it. Like, first my sister, then my friends, hopefully. Because it's one of those movies that it's like, you've never seen anything like it before. And to do that at this point in movies of, like, 100 years of movies, it's kind of wild. But it shows the changing of the guard. It shows that there's a new crop of directors coming out that are multimedia creatives. And I think, I guess I want to make that one of the first topics I want to talk about. Actually, let me let's see. I think I got a message. Somebody hit me up. Okay, he's underway. The guest for the next episode is on the way, it looks like. So, um... I got to start wrapping, not wrapping up, but like, got to be cognizant of, um, this episode. I'll give a little sneak peek as to who the next guest is after, like, near the end of the episode, but let me continue with my thoughts about this movie. What were my thoughts? I was, I was singing to something. <sighs> Yes, I was saying that the uh, that was going to be my first point, the multimedia 
creative. In the world of the internet, and I've been saying this for a while, but it, this movie is like the perfect exemplar, example of this. Like, in the world of the internet, where you can access everything at any time, people have, you know, this is all obvious. People have smaller attention spans. They're used to a lot more shit happening in their face at once. So, that just means that, inevitably, all art is going to become multimedia. It's going to involve visuals, sound, reading, effects, editing. Like, so much shit to keep someone's attention. And a lot of filmmakers like to just draw inspiration or only give a fuck about movies. But I was listening to an interview with the Daniels. And they kind of talk about how they're not cinephiles. And that actually made me feel good about myself. They explained that, you know, we're not cinephiles. We love movies, but we love books. We love anime. We love music. We love everything. And we draw inspiration from everything to make this. And it makes sense because their movies called everything, everywhere, all at once. But just in general, when I heard that, I felt seen. I felt like, oh, I think there's something going on here. I think there's something that I identify with that is probably more universal for a lot of younger fans of movies. And that's the idea that you can love movies and I'll be a fucking old fart cinephile, man. Let me say, why do I keep wanting, I'll be wanting to change my hand for the microphone, but I can't do it. I hate that shit, man. And this goes with the Oscars too. And this is going to be my point. And that's kind of how I'm going to wrap up this episode. I'm going to go into this whole diatribe about fucking movies and old white people and shit changing and them being uncomfortable by it. And it starts with the Oscars. Like, white people want the Oscars to be relevant so bad. They're like, they're mad at people like at the Academy trying to draw in a younger audience. They're like, no, just make it five hours. Make it only about movies, how to make movies, the history of movies. Make it about that. Make it how it used to be. That's how I'm going to feel comfortable. But it's not. You know, it's over. That That's over. The Oscars don't fucking matter for people that love movies. It just doesn't. You know? I like it because it's an award show. And I like award shows. I think they're fun. Like being nominated and winning. I made my own for Christ's sake. You know what I mean? So I think it's fun. But I think this thing with white people, man, where they just wanted to go back, like all white movie fans, they wanted to be like it used to be, you know, make movies great again. They might as well say that. That might as well be their slogan. Make movies great again. Because they can't stand that, you know, the Oscars are irrelevant at this point because this shit is not centralized anymore. Nothing on the internet is centralized. People love movies just because they love movies. And that should be enough. Like, you can love movies and not go through a hundred years of history to watch a movie, you know? Which is what the Daniel said that I identified with. It's like, I'm not watching these old fucking movies. I understand they're important, right? And if I want to learn more about movies and the history of movies and where things came from, okay, I can do that. But I've talked about this even before, how, like, there's a lot of movies I watch now that if I try to watch the old movies, I'm going to be bored by them. Actually, I have. I used to have a movie podcast where I would watch old classics, you know, to, you know, to have a better understanding of movies because I love movies. And to be honest, the only thing that came from that, the only thing I learned from that is that 
all these mo these old movies are not good, man. These old movies are not good. Steven Spielberg, those old fucking Steven Spielberg movies are not good. Don't even get me. I mean, look, bro. It's like they're important. I get it. But when you've seen the new movies that are coming out that are actually innovating, sure, I can respect what Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese and all these motherfuckers did, right? Francis Ford Coppola. Like, I can I can understand it. I can enjoy it. But it's not good to me. It's just not good, really, when you see the way movies... Like, bro, bro, I'm going to make this comparison, and people are going to be mad at me, but listen, you compare everything everywhere all at once, right? This movie I just saw. To any old, like, to fucking Raging Bull. It's not a comparison. It's not even close. Like, everything everywhere all at once compared to Munich. It's not even close. Everything Everywhere All At Once compared to Jaws. It's not even close. You know what I mean? Like in terms of pure which is better and enjoyment and like deeper meanings and like, you know, not only like sizzled with steak, it's not a comparison, you know? And it's tricky because you obviously have to pay respect to your elders because they ushered in, you know, they're the reason why people are making movies in the first place, this, that, whatever. I understand. But you're just never going to get me to say those old fucking movies are good. They're important, but that's obvious. So, okay, now what? They're not good. That's where I'll leave it. And I think they're trying to get back to that. They're like, no, that's what was good. But I feel like that's my disconnect. I think, you know, I love movies, man. Like, I knew I love movies. Like, there was a, I think it was, I don't remember. It was like 2014 where I watched Whiplash, Nightcrawler, and 22 Jump Street. Like all the same year, and I was in the guest, in the gift. It was a lot of the movies that I watched, and I was like, blew my fucking mind that I'm like, I love movies, right? And that's where my love for movies started. And ever since then, you know, I love movies, and I kind of fell off of it because, you know, during the pandemic, there were no movies coming out. Now movies are kind of back, you know, the Batman, everything, everywhere, all at once. And so I'm getting back into movies, and what I'm realizing is that. I, I love movies and I want to meet other people who love movies and it should just be about we love it. But there's so many extra bells and whistles that people want to add to what it means to love movies or to what movies are like the fucking Oscars. Like the Oscars are not movies. You know, the Oscars are not part of movies. And so people are scared that the Oscars dying. It means the movies are dying. That's not what that means. People are scared that you know, movie theaters dying means that movies are going to die. Not true at all. You know, they, they, they connect, they think all these things are interconnected, but those are all the shit outside of what the fuck a movie is. And a movie will never stop to exist. And honestly, a movie theater will never stop to exist because just the, the idea, they might even rename it. I don't know, but just the idea of a big ass screen, everything dark, bunch of people watching something that's never going to go away. You know, just focusing on this one thing. I don't think that's ever going to go away. But even if it does, movies are still going to exist. You know? And that's the thing that bothers me. Is that there's all these, like, old, there's so many rules around movies. So many fucking, again, bells and whistles that they added to movies that now they think are inextricably linked. Inextricably. Fuck, I'm trying to say this very fancy word. 
that I can hear it in my head, but I don't know if I can say it. Give me one more shot. In inextricably, I'm actually gonna look it up because I want to inextricably. Yeah, linked. Yeah, inextricably linked. See, that's fucking hard to say. Inextricably link. I'm not even saying it in past tense. Okay, again, inextricably linked. Fuck yeah, I got it. They think all this other shit is connected to movies and you can't separate them. It's not true. Movies are movies and we should just celebrate that we love movies. That's it. It shouldn't be how we do it. I think we should all do it the way we want to do it and we should just love it and then just sharing that love. However it is that we're consuming it, however it is we're judging it, just that passion for it, should that should be the only thing that matters, you know? And... And you may be wondering, how the fuck is this even connected to everything, everywhere, all at once? Well, I think the movie, once you see it, it's coming out wide, you know, wide release in all movie theaters, April 8th. I think once you see it, you're going to understand what I'm saying. Like, I feel like this movie is actually, similarly to how this slap is going to change everything, I think this movie is going to change everything. Because it's showing that, it, I don't know, it has the energy of what I'm talking about right now. It's like... Fuck your rules. We love movies. We're going to make a crazy ass movie. And we're, we're not, I'm, I don't give a fuck how you structure a movie. I'm going to have, you know, I'm not, I don't even want to spoil it. But we're going to do all this shit that a lot of people would say, oh, this is ju juvenile. Oh, this is not how movies are supposed to be. Oh, this is so random. What the fuck is this? What the fuck is that? And just the energy of, I don't give a fuck. I just love movies. And I made a movie because I love movies. It stuck with me in a way that I think it's also going to stuck with a lot of younger film fans. And I think this movie is going to make a lot of people love movies because of that energy of like, because I think when people think of movies, they think of like cinephile, they think of like, oh, I got to know what the fuck, what, what a Kurosawa movie is, right? Like, I got to know what the fuck Steven Spielberg did. I, and this movie's like, nah, dog. Movies can be whatever the fuck and it can be poignant and crazy and funny and juvenile. It can be everything, everywhere, all at once. Perfect title. Kind of want to call this title episode that, but I can't because it's the name of a movie. Um, but that's my overall point. I think things are changing. I think the slap is that slap is not only going to change the Oscars, it's going to change how safe white people feel. And I think it's going to change movies alongside with everything everywhere all at once. If I were to wrap everything up in a neat little bow, I think that's what I would say. And that's how I'm going to end the episode. <laughs> all right. Um, let me actually look up what song I want to play to end this. Um, yeah, I'm definitely doing this. Okay, but yeah, that's it for this episode. This was episode 168 of the Empty Opinions Podcast with your host, Eladio Polanco. Solo episode. I actually enjoyed it. This went way w better than the yesterday, or yesterday at the time of me recording this. So, Friday, I tried to record it after driving back and forth from New York, and I could not do it. I literally have no energy for it. But now, I woke up, you know, took a bath, feel clean, drinking my coffee, I feel energized, and I think the episode was all the better for it. I think this episode was great. I haven't been in this form in a while. I think it's a fucking microphone, to be honest. And also the change of scenery. You know, I think that's really what it was. But 
That's it for this episode. The way I'm going to end this episode is by playing the first song of the Empty Playlist, which you can check out on the website, emptyopinions.com. There you can check out the full playlist, but I'm just going to show you what the intro song is, which if this song doesn't make you want to listen to that playlist in its entirety, I don't know what to tell you. You just don't like music. But the song I'm going to play is Marlon, Marlon Kraft, Hans Zimmer. Speaking of movies, what an apt fucking title. What an apt outro song, you know. That, that, that just fits perfectly. And Hans Zimmer did just win for Dune, so congrats to him. Um, obviously, he got overshadowed by, you know, the sound of a white bubble bursting. Maybe that that's a fire like <laughs> that could be a fire title for this episode too. The sound of a white bubble burst. It's too long, you know. I, I think I'll just call it the slab that changed everything. I think that's a good title. But all right, yeah, I'm gonna end this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll catch you guys next week. With I said I was gonna tell you guys next week I'm having Jamar Root. He's kind of like a motivational speaker. He has his own podcast. Great podcast. Great guy. We both go to Temple. I think he's not going to Temple anymore, but that's how we kind of know each other. Great speaker. I think the episode is going to be great. He's actually on his way now. So after I'm done recording this, I'm going to record next week's episode. And I mean back to back. You can't say I don't love this shit. All right. That's it. I've been trying to end this podcast for like five minutes now. Marlon Craft, Hans Simmer. Thank you guys so much for listening. Came back to life for the apocalypse. I done seen too much by 14 to be an optimist. Round late registrations drop. I learned about consequence. Before shit mellowed out, I saw a few Marty Collinses. Compliment, bitch, I got accomplishments. You can't get switched on if you don't got accomplices. Everybody on the fence got pushed the fuck off the shit. So brace yourself before you lost risk, little cocky bitch. Make the working man high art Some around me wasn't solid So I broke down my circle like a pie chart They only tough on radio <laughs> That's that I heart When the swag too try hard That's that he a live mark They ride waves I cast sails on the penmanship Only time I'm overboards Listening to that shit Pirate in the flows Tide rise you get exposed Little diamonds in your rose Say you went to prize And get sold Cause you read the shit Homie, I'm the excrement Stick your little chesses and turn a pest to a pessimist I don't care if I'm Methodist, it's what I'm doing Every marriage I seen was toxic Me and the game, just another yo-yo Who, him? I feel like laughing They feel like captions, I feel like passion What you do for that hood you rep, I feel like asking I mean like action, now you just cashing On a lifestyle that you never lived And you don't hand nothing back Like it's third down and a shotgun set you in Who you help? You could be the TikTok star that you are But when that clock stop, oh boy This the soundtrack to a dark night Bitch, I'm on This that feeling like when the train stuck between stops and you picked the wrong car Cause you think you see a op Try to rob me from my merm when I had North Face money Don't end up on the wrong side 
of the hungry. Coming to you live from where the world burns and they don't give a motherfuck But we applaud runner-ups Cause you'd rather be rich people's assistants than to bet on yourself So even the runner-up All the money's at the top But they don't hear me Concentration of wealth Monstrous hatred of self Propagating what sells at all costs to the state of health Thoughts have decayed as well Trains of thought out of order We lost the way to ourselves Take a good look at you like With DNA you got locked away in your cells Slave owners is doing life in your bloodstream How you gonna come clean if you ain't seeing the dirt up under your nails Act like we ask for too much Your reality's a dumb dream so don't love me With a flavor of the month, bitch I'm a staple I starve for I take a seat at your fable table If they ain't able, they label If they can't label, they hate you I respond like why thank you, grateful Don't think cause I'm trying to go gluten free That I won't come for your bread Make your fans my fans and straight Come for your head They get intimidated I get to be who I really am For this comfort I bled So you gonna respect This the soundtrack to a dark night Bitch I'm Hans Zimmer America Kaka Everyone will be a winner This that feeling like When the train stuck between stops And you picked the wrong car Cause you think you see a eye Try to rob me from my merm When I had North Face money Don't end up on the wrong side of the hungry. <laughs>